When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. And welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. Back after a bit of a break, uh, Ryan's joining me, just the two of us this week. It's uh, It's been a little while. You'll find out since uh, since last time we came on, Alan Wynn played for Lions, got ruled out to the Lions, has trained with Wales, come back and is potentially on a flight over to South Africa as we speak. So, I mean, it's been a bit of a break. It has been, yeah. I was trying to work it out. Ron, I think since we last did a podcast, we you you've helped raise money for Dodmaster. There's been a Lions yeah. game in England. There's been several Lions games in South Africa. Whoa, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! We've got Scottish fans who listen to this. I know the Lions have played a game in England. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Johnny. Especially on a day like today. Sorry, Johnny, for any offence caused. <laughs> In, sorry, I meant to say Edinburgh, and I said, I said England. Um, but yeah, so Scotland played a game in Edinburgh. Um, I've, I've done it again, and I? I said Scotland played a game in Edinburgh. Lions have played, the Lions have played a game in Edinburgh. I've said it because it doesn't happen. They don't play in the UK that often. I think it's the third time ever in it. Um, and obviously, yeah, like you said, Alan, Alan wins sort of made a better comeback than Lazarus. Uh, I think the guy heals like Deadpool. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable. I, I just... I was thinking this yesterday, like, like a lot of people in Wales refer to Alan Wynne-Jones as God, but surely he's Jesus, because Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. I think Jesus was quite forgiving, though, and I don't think Alan Wynne looks at that. Well, I was saying, I did keep training with Jake Ball, so maybe he, he is. Maybe Jake he Ball is. is still alive, so he, he's that. He is rather forgiving. And Jesus had holes in his hands, and I've never seen Alan Wynne drop a ball, so it can't be... Luckily for you as well on your, your England slip, as you say, I think uh, Johnny McGinty, who's been on the show, has got other things to do today. So congratulations to Johnny, to, to Michelle and to Matthew. There's, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, mainly well done to Michelle. But I guess yeah. she's probably possibly done hard work. I doubt if Johnny's done much of it, but yeah, well done. <laughs> um, so how's your, 
I was going to say your week been, but it's well since last time you come on. How, how have you been doing? Um, all right, to be honest, like quite chilled. Cricket coaching at the minute, so I'm cricket coaching and yeah. writing reports for that. Football, football's back, so I was back for a pre-season game last night, which is good. And obviously the Euros were on. And yeah, it didn't come home. It didn't come home, no. That's what's happened since last time. It almost came home, uh, and then uh, it's uh, seen uh, everybody acting like uh, obnoxious pricks, and they decided actually it's, it's going to go to Italy instead. Yeah, you know we've all been there, and yeah. you've had a good day as well. I, I no such thing as a free lunch, but yeah, but it was decent. Yeah, I, I won't can't go into the details of how I got this free lunch, but yeah, like a free dinner coming home because obviously I helped somebody in need, should we say? Um, oh. I, I I had already been there. Uh, I'd already prepped something for, for my dinner for when I got home, um, which doesn't normally happen. So instead of milking it and taking as much freebies as possible, I just took uh, a selection of bread from the local Turkish and uh, I got some um, white bait, which I'm quite accustomed to from that place, and had that with the salad I'd already prepped for my dinner. I'd obviously lucky it was Turkish because if it had been Italian, when you finished the phrase and pineapple on a barbecue cake base, he would have kicked you straight to his fucking restaurant. So. Correct. Well, <laughs> Right, shall we move on to some news? Yeah, let's go ahead. So I was going to start with the biggest news of the week, um, which was a Google Maps user who found a UFO. Um, unbelievable discovery that we've already had NASA confirm that they, they think they've spotted things. Um, and it was a, a Reddit user who seen i mean it's an absolutely fantastic picture incredible uh from an, in america and uh, then someone pointed out actually that's being shit on the camera <laughs> oh. <laughs> usually i use these as a little segue into asking you a question i don't know if you ever confused anything from bird shit <laughs> um <clears throat> never confused anything bird shit i, I have had a seagull shit on me in Brighton when I was wearing a pink t-shirt a few years ago and then went into the went into the toilets to take it off so I was shirtless in a t-shirt in a uh, toilet on the, the pier in Brighton and got some funny looks from the blokes that walked in but apart from that no one when, I don't think so when you say you were shit on it by a seagull in Brighton was she a football fan was she oh yeah oh I, the bird the bird yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, okay. you got you got to pay for that type of that type of thing <laughs> depends on who you know right <laughs> We'll dive into some actual news. So, uh, it has been a while, which means that we weren't recording for the big news that Izzy Falau is back. Like a like genital warts. He's back again. For, the, for those, obviously, who cannot see this visual podcast, I am giving the most sarcastic thumbs up ever that Izzy Falau is back, which is wonderful news not. Um, I, I I don't like the way I said like genital warts and you said for people who can't see the podcast, which is <laughs> by the way everyone who isn't you and me, yeah. no one else can see this podcast. It's an audio only medium. Um, yeah, he's back. He's gone to Japan, which is obviously now a suburb of Australia. Judging by the way he said he needed to go home because he was missing Australia and that's why he terminated his contract in rugby league, and we know being a good Christian boy that he is, that he wouldn't have told any lies and he would have been upset on us. And he definitely wouldn't have done it for money because nope. that's greed and that's that's also a sin. Yeah. So, I mean, generally, he is a little bit, you know, wayward on the old religion thing, except for one extreme point that he's really strong about. Mm-hmm. 
he, he, you know, he, he dips, he dips in and out, mm-hmm. which is that's a rumor you want to start with him, but he dips in and out. So, but he is going to the Shining Arcs, which is also where Greg Laidlaw is. So that's kind of pissed on anything that I wanted Greg Laidlaw to do well in Japan. When I've seen Greg Laidlaw in Japan, I am going to say it doesn't look like he's trying a hundred percent. Yep. I'm but not saying that he can, and probably I could get in the first choice fifteens in Japan. I would assume. Well, I mean, let's not take the piss now, <laughs> but it's perhaps not to the same level as the top fourteen or the Gallagher Premiership. Or the Ultimate Fighting Championship, or whatever, whatever the Pro 14 is called now. But um, I think uh, what you're trying to allude to, Steph, is obviously that um, that that where he's gone in Japan isn't part of Australia. Um, yeah. Um, however, um, maybe using on logic that's been used on other podcasts recently, maybe Japan is a county of Australia. Maybe we do know <laughs> so, that geographically rugby sometimes that's is great always hundred percent. Yeah. So maybe Japan is a county of Australia, like Wales is a county in, in the UK. Maybe um, he's been in contact with another podcast, is what you see, and to, to get a little bit of advice, and he's got a little bit confused along the way. Yeah, I could, who, I could who probably shares similar views, but we don't know, allegedly. <laughs> um, I, I did tell you a while back that I've come up with a little theory because, uh, as we know, that like Exeter, some of their players sort of buy into these conspiracy theories as well, as the a lot of people on my Facebook seemingly. But uh, people have been worried about 5G and obviously communication companies. I'm starting to notice that these communication companies, they seem to be attracting a lot of arseholes. So I don't know. I think there may be a conspiracy theory there somewhere. I mean, there's a, there's a, a comms company in Wales that I'm not going to name where, you know, the people there particularly the owner there he's, he's slightly dodgy territory and then we know Exeter they're owned by Tony Rowe who owns Southwest comms and you know, we know where Exeter are like and now all of a sudden Izzy Falau goes out to the Shining Arcs who are sort of, is it NTT Communications I think on, on the Shining Arcs mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that there's definitely a conspiracy going on here, but it seems to be that these communication networks seem to be attracting a lot of arseholes towards them. So, I do, again, attracting a lot of arseholes, perhaps not the best phrase given. But Izzy Falau. For Izzy Falau, he's probably a bit scared of that. Um, but also, I suppose, they, being a techie company, maybe these techie companies are the ideal place to maybe hide potential money, Financial rewards, if you want to put it this way, wages in other third party companies that may be another team that was full of arseholes done previously, or is it all to do with charity work? Maybe they're just paying them in iPhones, they could could well be like Oprah giving out cars. You can have an iPhone, and you can have an iPhone. Is that Um, what they is that what they give out of freshers at Exeter Uni as well? (laughs) That's not no, we can't go there, we can't go there. Um, <laughs> most disappointingly, today, as we're recording this, um, Dick Biwani's come out and he's quite rightly had to go at Channel 7, who wrote a really shitty headline 
about the England players who missed penalties this week, which obviously I took absolutely no joy in England losing a final of a major tournament. No joy at all. I definitely did take joy. What I didn't take joy in was the shit that came after it mm-hmm. with the inevitable arseholes that uh, surround that. Channel 7 in Australia joined in with that by pointing out, uh, singling out the players by their race. Digby Wani has then used that as a jumping off point about how terrible it is that uh, they've got away with this whilst Israel Falau was sacked for being a, well, let's just call it a spade a spade, a homophobic prick. Yep. Now, I've got a massive issue with this because Channel 7 are clearly wrong in their headline to, to, it's to single anyone out based on their race is racism. We're already there. But then don't use someone clearly being homophobic as the other point. Like, let's condemn them both if we're going to do this. This isn't a, well, we should let Israel Falau off because Channel 7 seemingly are going to get away with this. The point should be Israel Falau got rightly slammed for this. Let's slam Channel 7 as well yeah. and get people to change their attitudes towards things because it's not the fucking 50s anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I mentioned something to you before. It might have been off pod, but. I had a scenario back last year where I had a discussion with somebody within my circle of, of uh, acquaintances, I suppose, up here um, where I am, where they put in everything together in a group of racism, um, being homophobic, ageism, sexism, all together. Um, they made a point to their kids to say one thing was wrong and that you shouldn't be racist or whatever. Yeah. But then when it came to another aspect, they themselves didn't like it and didn't agree with that sort of thing. And yeah, we got on a um, bit of dodgy territory there because I said, obviously, you need to be careful what you're saying, who you're saying things to, because you can't necessarily say one's bad to do like one thing, but then the other one's OK sort of thing. Yeah. So not uh, if, I, I'm, I'm big behind less, less level people for, for who they are. I mean... That's not excluding absolute fucking bellends. Eight people for being bellends, don't eat them for their colour or their like their race, their sexuality, their religion. It, it's been it's absolutely I mean Digby Wani's not getting my eight pound for a free cam for a cameo video now. He can piss right off. My eight pounds staying right in my pocket. But yeah, that was a, a pretty shitty one today. Um and he's got into a, a, a few little discussions on Twitter and then just seems to have left it. So there we go. We probably need to chat about Australian 70 cap international, New Zealand born Craig Cooper and his news that broke this morning. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. So anyone who hasn't seen it by this point, Craig Cooper has applied for it's the second time he's applied for Australian citizenship. The first time was we could play for them at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed they rejected it because they seen that clear out that he did it a rock playing for the sevens, which is absolutely horrific. And if no one's seen that, that's going on my um that's going on the, our Twitter feed. But he's been rejected again on account of not having done anything to, <laughs> not having done anything to uh what was the word that they use? Improve Australian heritage or something like that. 70 caps. One of the most talented players to ever put on the green and gold. Unbelievable player, joy to watch. I know he's had his moments, but bloody hell. Like, 
can we just factor in as well that I believe when I say this, this is correct. He has had 70 caps and has done a lot for Australian rugby. Whereas Izzy Falau is probably class, now classed as Australian, having lived there for so long, is clearly not Australian born because of the, I think it's Samoan heritage he, he has. But Quade Cooper, Quade Cooper gets Australian heritage, but our nationality, but, but, but is he, is he, is he has it? Falau is Australian born. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's from uh, he's from New South Wales, so yeah, he is Australian born, and that's where he's trying to change his nationality to to well, he was going to play for. Did he play for Tonga in rugby league? I think he did play for Tonga in rugby league. Um, did you say he's from South Wales? Does that mean he can play for us? He's from New South Wales. We oh, don't right. want him. <laughs> is he from Tonopandi or something like that? Oh, imagine that. I mean, some of his views would probably fit in in some valleys towns, and I say that as someone from the deepest depths of the valleys, in case you can't tell by my accent. But uh, yeah, fortunately, he's not Welsh. Um, but yeah, it's it's bonkers. If that's a sign that not only like the point system doesn't work anyway because it's absolutely shitty, mm-hmm. like completely shitty. But if it's a sign that the point system doesn't even do what it's intended to do, stopping one of the biggest stars you've ever had play for your country from being a citizen is surely it. Is he just like not being given the citizenship because they've remembered that they've got um, Sam Norton Knight somewhere? Like just backtracking, like they have to get rid of an old old Australian ten before they can let another Australian ten in. Well, or... like a like a nightclub. Do you think? Yeah, is like one out one in policy. Yeah. That's that. Well, I was going to open a discussion of um, which which Australian ten would be the first one you'd get rid of, but I think we could be here a while. They went through a bloody few because of <clears throat> kicking, winning penalties. I would suggest one of Berwick Barnes. Uh, Ber- Berwick Barnes is the first one I came into my head. Yeah. And I was Ber- thinking, Ber- is he as bad as I remember? Yeah, Berwick Barnes is kicking penalties to beat Wales. Yeah, kicking penalties to, be- to beat Wales. Um, who's the guy? I'll forget his name. Bernard Foley, um, his kick pens against Wales, and who's the guy that you ridiculed for his shorts in Monaco, plays in France now? I forget his name. Oh, um, 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 uh, oh shit, so do I. Um, <laughs> Curly Beale. Yes, one of those three, because they've all done stuff in a 10 shirt to hurt Wales, so it'd be one of those three I'd get rid of. I think you're looking at this very much through a Welsh le- Welsh lens, which is well, yeah. Or, or as met for the aforementioned Sam Norton tonight for being absolutely shit to Cardiff Blues. Either one of those four. I mean, if we're gonna say that people can't live places because they've been shit playing for the Cardiff Blues, there's going to be a lot of people who are looking for a home. Like <laughs> you've had plenty of players over the years. Well, there's plenty of there's plenty of homes in Cardiff, isn't it? Or like Merthyr or Ponty or. But never mind, that's another discussion for another time. <laughs> um, while we while we're in the southern hemisphere, we'll stay in that part of the world. Um, one of the best stories turned into one of the worst stories last week, which seems very rugby. I will say every time that something's done with a good intention, it feels like we always go, but then they fucked it up. <laughs> In fact, like every before story... you even mention anything, I'm assuming we're talking Fiji, yeah. 
Yeah, we could we could change the name of Rugby Union to and then we fucked it up. Like and everyone would not always know what sport that is. We yeah, that's that's my sport. Um so yeah, Fiji um did a, did a bit of negotiation to drop their shirt sponsor for their game against the All Blacks and instead would have uh, vaccinate Fiji because the the numbers are sky a lot of people are rejecting the vaccinations. And so it was all you pushing it forward. And then they turned out for the game with essentially blank jerseys. So just the kit maker, the badge, and that was it. And it turns out that certain members of the Fiji squad, and I do want to point out it wasn't all members of the Fiji squad, but certain members of the Fiji squad uh, are weren't properly consulted and are not supporters. They're anti-vaxxers. I'm trying to find a nice way to say they're anti-vaxxers. So, and, from... and it's not, like you said, it's not the whole squad. It's MEPS members of. So therefore, I guess everyone's entitled to their opinion. Their opinion is wrong, but they're entitled to their opinion. Um, however, yes, being... Being completely, being a team that's going to back vaccination for people in their homeland to then go, we're not wearing them because we're against it, is a bit shitty. And I've been through the Fiji squad that they do to play uh, New Zealand. I can't see any of them that regularly play rugby at Sandy Park. So I'm (laughs) slightly confused by that. As far as I'm aware, None of them have any connections to communication companies. Nope. So I don't know exactly what the issue is. But yeah, it's um, it's utterly shit. Like, mm-hmm. we're at a time at the moment where things are fucking shit anyway. So yeah, as it's just utterly shit because it was a big moment. Like, it's very rare the Fiji and New Zealand get to meet anyway, which is shit enough. And this is where I throw in my um, thing that's been going on for almost a year now, where I say, and we'll discuss that in Oceans Apart when we do that, <laughs> when we do that documentary. Don't roll your eyes at me, you prick. <laughs> I, I think like our Oceans Apart documentary is very much like Blood and Mud's player of the 90s. Like we will do it at some point, but we'll probably be about 74 years old down a pub and then everyone would have forgotten this happened. Look, it's very much about the build-up. You've got to build tension for these things. You've got to plug them. You've got to you've got to build it up. I, I, there's another thing that's happened that's that talking about, about oceans apart is reminding me, and I'm going to bring that up next, and I'm going to fucking rant about that as well because I've had a fucking titful of one of these things. Um, so yeah, I was concerned that by the time we came to doing the podcast based on oceans apart because they've already taken another step along in Super Rugby and now playing a game against New Zealand, that all of the issues in the Pacific Islands will be sorted and we'd have nothing to write a podcast about. We could do it then, though. It's like an historical look back. Yep. It'll be great. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll leave it 10 years and then we'll look at it. I've stage. already got my notes. Yeah. Well, we'll see what's changed and it'll probably be a blank bit of paper. Well, the, the best thing about all this, obviously, is that we had a preview Yes. So we yep. actually started our notes on this before it came out. Yep. <laughs> and yet we still haven't recorded it. Part, but part of the reason why that was was because 
by the time one of us was able to watch it, it was no longer available, so we hadn't watched it. Well, at that point, I was still being nice to a certain Mr. Daniel Leo. Yep. Um, and, and correspondence was, was sent back and forth. But he's absolutely got on my fucking tits uh, since then by yet again because uh, I, I think I missed it the first time because I don't remember. But he's um, he's come up with his anti-trans stance again. But it's okay because he said uh, no disrespect. So obviously that means that you can be an absolute prick after because you know you there's no disrespect. It's absolutely like I'm fed up of the bullshit that goes around this now, where it's people again using something to hide their bigotry, which is quite fucking clear. People are hiding behind a pseudoscience to try and then uh, give that bigotry a little bit of gravitas, which doesn't exist. He's fucking broken me. I so many times was going to reply and in the end got talked out of it because I was fucking livid. Um, um, tell us how you're reading stuff. Oh, I'm not finished yet. Don't you worry. Because my biggest thing that's pissed me off as well, because I know these people exist. We know these people are within rugby. And I'll quite regularly engage with these people and tell them I think they are massive twat when they refuse to see any sort of logic or empathy or emotion behind anything. But what pisses me off more than anything with Dan Leo as well is that he's gone out of his way to do a documentary to campaign for people that have been oppressed within a system a system that's set up against people like him, people, in his case, from the Pacific regions, where the system is fucking them over, but then will openly stand out against another minority currently being oppressed and being uh, having laws put in place by World Rugby to stop them playing the game. So, again, if we're talking for empathy and respect... Maybe have a little look at your own views on something and see how closely these people align to yours and how much alike you actually are. Except that those people are quite accepting and quite uh, open-minded and he's being a close-minded, bigoted prick. And so that is where I'll draw my line. That's where I'll end the conversation because it's really fucking wound me up. In case you couldn't tell. because you know. and, and fast forward a year until he makes a second documentary which is called Emotions Apart and obviously discusses all the... I just want, like, no, we'll not go into it. No. We'll not go into it. But, uh, yeah, it's pissed me off so much that, of all people, someone who's calling for, for empathy and for sympathy and calling for people to get behind what is a good cause will so openly shit yeah. on another. So, yeah. there we go. He's bigger than me. So, if I... I, I, but I I would say to his face that I think he's wrong. I would probably get a fucking eye in. But Dan Leo, fuck off. Um, moving on. Also, in the uh, the news that came out today, the Premiership fixtures have been announced. And I think generally, I look at them and think, oh, yeah, Premiership. I've been drawn in, as I always am, by the Bristol-based Twitter account. Who put out a uh, office clip because they've drawn Saracens? If no, if you haven't seen it by this point, go and look for it. It is as always with the Bristol Bears Twitter account, absolutely fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but some tasty fixtures because not only is it Bristol Bears versus Saracens, good versus evil on that first day, there's also um, Exeter Chiefs versus Harlequins. Which is obviously the repeat of the final we had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so that's a that's a nice little kickoff. Which Thank- one are you most looking forward to? Um, <clears throat> probably Bristol Saris of the two, because um, I think Quinns won the Premiership and quite rightly deserved it. The last few weeks and last few months of, of the season, they were immense. But I do also think they were on form. No, I've lost I, you. Hello. 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 Oh, so I lost you then. That's right. And I do also think. Um. So yeah, I do. All, like I'm. I'm looking forward to the game between um, X. Sorry, Bristol Bears and Saris most because I think that's just going to be a phenomenal game. I I do think. The Quinns Exeter game should be a good game on paper. Have, with Quinns having just won the, the final, and Quinns were fantastic the last few weeks and months of the season. But and I feel really bad for saying this to, about Quinns, but I, I have a feeling that near the end of the season, Exeter just didn't care. And well, I, I think I think Quinns, Quinns deserved the win, but I think an on-form fight, all fire, and Exeter would have beaten Quinns in the final. Um, and I think that all I see happening on that first game of the season is Quinns. Starting the season slowly like they've done in previous seasons, not being fully like up there, extra starting on fire like they seem to normally do. I see an extra win, but I think as a whole all run game to look forward to, the Bears against Saris would, would be the better one. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to obviously it's the return of Saracens, which is a, a big thing in itself. And I, I've never eaten my absolute joyous love for, for Bristol Bears. They, I love the club. Almost as much as I, I'd love, uh, well, any any of the teams that I support. But I get what you're saying about Exeter and towards the end of the season. I think Quinn's peaked exactly at the right time. Yeah. They they did exactly what they needed to do. Gustard came in and obviously had them performing exceptionally well. I think what's quite interesting that's come out... Um, in recent weeks, I can't remember exactly when it came out because it's been a while, like I said, since we've been on. But they started lowering the amount of contact they were mm-hmm. doing in training sessions after he came in. Not Gustard. Mm-hmm. Is it Gust- Who's not Gustard? We're at Queens. Yeah. Um, when he was, it's, there's no real head coach in there. It's Billy Miller, isn't, isn't it? He used to be at Cardiff. And then you got Bomb, uh, Jerry Flannery. Uh, Nick Evans, and then now Tabby Matteson is going to come in for the next season, isn't he? He's yeah. oh, be... so it is. It is Gustard Day, though. It is no, Gustard no. Gustard Day. No, no, he left ages ago. When he when he left when he Stuart went, Wars, they 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 left it as um, the three coaches of Bomb, Joe Flannery, Nick Evans, with Billy Millard looking after it, sort of thing. When um, Gustard, and then next season they've got Tabby Matteson there as the head coach or as DOR. So. When Gustard went, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, 
they lowered the amount of contact training they were doing, the intensity of training. And they're the team that looked most energetic, mm-hmm. most refreshed. Mm-hmm. I, is this a clear sign that teams are training too much, especially in terms of physical, full contact, full-on games? I think so, but it, it's all, it could also be a case of there's that saying where there's too many cooks for the broth, but maybe in this having a a conversation as a as a group, maybe of those four, the head coaches, the, the coaches that are looking after everything, has actually allowed them to have a clearer focus than it would be and a clearer pathway than what it would be with the guy that was in charge before. Maybe maybe his they coached under him and followed what he wanted as opposed to them and looking at the bigger picture and as a group going, actually this is better for the club. Um, so it'd be interesting to see next season what happens because I know those four are staying on with obviously Tara Matson coming in as well. So it'd be interesting to see whether it goes back down the line of like a dictatorship, I suppose, or more of a democracy, which is appears yeah. to have, have worked for them this season. Plus, you have obviously we'll get we'll touch on that a bit more. New Lion and Marcus Smith running the show, like supposed Lion Scrum Off, Danny Kay, like playing <clears throat> out of his skin for the last year or so. But they've they've had those players. That's not new. No, no, no. Those no. players have been there. The, the players who've performed well this year are players the, who've been at the club for a while. For, anyway. Yeah. The other thing I think that is was a big thing for them is Queens from the outside appear to be the most tight knit. I suppose where they're all in it. They're all mates. They're all friends. You've got characters like Marla, etc. As part of it. And I saw the video, obviously, where they walked from the stoop to Twickenham before the finals. So all the fans were there and gave them a cheer. And, it's, and there was like a parade on the way there. But I think a big thing, a big point in Quinn's season was when it was announced that Mike Brown was leaving, considering how much he's loved at that club. And I think what it's had is the, I suppose, the effect that the club would want to win the league, win the league and do so well. But I think that effect has come from the players going, like, we need to send somebody off like that with a massive, like, to, like a good send off, I suppose. He's not going to play for us. Then he got the red card, which means he was banned. They knew he was leaving, and they knew because he was so vocal and public about the fact he didn't want to leave that maybe the, yeah. the players have just gone fuck this. We're just going to all like all hands to the deck and try and nail it. And obviously, they, they get the sniff of getting in the semi, smash the smash the semi final, and then obviously do the same in the final. So, see, so yeah, I'm I'm a big thing of I I do think there's too much contact training rugby and listening to um cut flap chats the other week we talked to Alex Pop and yeah. my hero that and Pop's talked about how they are trying to get that they don't want essentially to cut the amount of contact in games, just control the air tight and, and sort of players being in control mm. in tackles. But it's more cutting that time in down training. in training. Yeah. And I mean on there he compares um the amount of, of contact and collisions that rugby players have in training compared to the amount that NFL players have each season. And I, I, it's insane. Like when you, you look at the amount of minutes yeah. an NFL player spends doing full contact compared to a, to a rugby player, you go, yeah, mm-hmm. shit. No one, and you know, NFL's got its own issues with concussion. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something we need to look at. And I do think that maybe there's a case that there is burnout to players. If you're turning up, and training three times a week doing full contact and then expected to do 80 minutes on a Saturday as well. Like, when do you recover? Mm. When, when does your body get a chance to actually 
and, and, and your mind as well, like, and your brain when yeah. you've got these these sub concussions like like Pops was having, where he's had sort of thousands of them. So yeah, I was just wondering whether you thought that that might be a a thing as well, or whether it's just me sort of locking a bit too deeply into things. No, I think that that's definitely a factor in it because obviously, when you look at other clubs, look at other teams, the, from the outside it looks as though they are drilled to within an inch of their lives in the sense of like they like it, for example you took someone like Exeter you look at someone like, like Bristol doesn't matter who's playing in that five six seven eight jersey they all play the same way they know the method they want to play they all have their game plan and they stick to it whereas I think <clears throat> so they they obviously must drill that so 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 much day in day out in training with the contact the pick and goals etc etc that I think maybe that aspect of things where maybe maybe someone like Quinns have gone actually we want to we want to run this from anywhere like look yeah. out and 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 I, look out like there's times where and I know Cardiff what was Blues now rugby were on the on the um, always be Blues we're on the wrong end of this but like when we played um, London Irish in, in Europe London Irish scored like three or four tries where they just ran from their twenty two and like we could live with it and defenses defenses are set up now where they go well you're not going to play from there. So we'll have a have a wall and we'll play people back, but Quinns and, and teams like Irish don't care. Like Wasps are the same; they will run it from anywhere yeah. if they think they're going to score a try. And that's probably played into the hands of of Quinns. And and I know we sort of took the Mickey a little bit a few weeks ago when it comes to um, names that were being touted for Lions and stuff. But I'm actually quite excited to see what he could do on like Marcus Smith while he's out there, because although he's like a a younger Finn, I suppose, and obviously Finn, Finn's got a bit of an injury. Looking to see what he's going to do if he gets an opportunity, I think he'll run from it. He'll want to run from anywhere, and we have the players in that back line, especially probably on Saturday. Because I think he'll probably start or at least have game time on Saturday that that will allow him to do that. Have the have the technical ability to be able to run from anywhere. So it'll be interesting to see with the, like the Lions hat on, I suppose, what he can bring from Quinns to to the Lions in the summer. Well, well, we'll delve further into uh, Marcus yeah. Smith the Lion uh, mm. later on. Um, talking to teams who are willing to run from anywhere and coaches who are less like dictators, I suppose, and more of, of man managers. Wales is uh, or Pivac, Pivac's Wales, after a, a good Six Nations on the back of a dreadful autumn international, two games into the Summer, can't call it mm-hmm. toast at all, but they're summer games. What's your verdict so far? Um, I thought the first game against Canada, we, did, we played quite well. Um, obviously, we we there were aspects of the game I thought once we got to six, seven tries or whatever it was, um, in it was that game done, let's just shut down. And I think there was there was chance to maybe open up a bit more. We knew at that stage they weren't going to come back, so maybe, maybe, maybe try a few things, maybe. Do moves that you've done in train, some moves in training that are going to mean you're going to run it from the 22 or whatever, just just to try, just to try new things out. Obviously, you've got players in that forward pack, the back line, haven't played before, so I guess that's part of the reason why they wouldn't have done it. Um, I only saw the second half of the Argentina game at the weekend because I had messed up. I messed, I messed up and thought the game was three o'clock, not half past one or whatever it was. So by the time I got home, it was second half. Um, but and I know there's been a lot of thing on social media about this, but. It's Argentina, who less than a year ago beat New Zealand. The Argentina team that we played at the weekend was pretty much the same forward pack 
a lot of the backs were there and we were nowhere near full strength. And yes, it's a draw and yes, we come from behind, but I think you take that all day long. Um, yeah, the, the first half was was dreadful. We'll go to, I'll do the Kanda cave because I, I agree, the Kanda game, like there was some, some nice moves. Look, well, obviously a bad start. The worst possible Kanda's going to try and half penny yeah, coming off after, after minutes, which you would think, like, especially the, there's a, a lot of young players in there and a lot of inexperienced players, or perhaps a little bit older, but not that many caps on an international level. It's got to be slightly disruptive mm-hmm. when you see a talisman as half penny is for our squad go down that way on such a big day as well. His 100th cap, his family are in the stand, the first game back in front of a crowd. I say about like young players and playing in front of a crowd for Ben Carter. That's the first senior game of rugby he's ever played in front of a crowd. Yeah. Because of of COVID and darling. So I mean imagine the first time you ever see asses on seats is playing for Wales at the Millennium Stadium. Like, that's gotta be slightly unnerving for the boy. I thought he was and absolutely he, fantastic. I think he was man of the match. Yeah. He was so. absolutely super, and so was Will Rowland. Yeah. So the Dragons can feel very happy with their their lock period when they've got them both available next season. They keep playing like they did then. I don't think they'll have them available that often. No, and that's it. And you look at you look at them. That's going to be the issue for the Dragons next year is the fact that, and I know they're not all going to be first choice, but at one stage I think during one of the games or both of the games you had a back row of. Uh, Moriarty, Basham, Wainwright with Carter and uh, we're all in front of him. Yeah, and Elliot D, a doctor. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a good chance they could lose a lot. Of, I know they've restructured the, the the Ultimate Fighting Championship or whatever it's called next year <laughs> um, so that they, they'll be missing for less games, but obviously with the way the camps and everything are structured, mm. they'll still be missing for some. Carter impressed me a lot. Uh, Will, Will Rowland, I thought, was excellent. Going into the, the Argentina game there. Oh, and Team Basham, obviously, mm-hmm. bagged a couple tries, of yeah. tries and, and had a, a very good game. As you'd expect from him, he's waited so long for that opportunity. That was one that seemed to be doomed for him. Where every time he got close, there was another injury that, that prevented him. So it was great to see him finally get out there. On to the Pumas game. Oh, go on. But the only thing I was going to say, which, which, which would probably cover both games for me, is, and I feel like an absolute bellend for saying this and I didn't think I'd ever have this have this opinion but I saw a comment on Twitter last week about a particular Wales player and I thought that's bollocks that's total rubbish and I've actually think, thought about it and, and the person who made the comment is right having watched two games so far John Davis not being picked for the Lions is correct yeah and I think he hasn't he's been a, he's been off form yeah for a little while obviously he's had Pretty big injuries, especially for someone his age. It's harder to say about people having injuries at their age at the moment because fucking Alan wins, making everyone look like a dick over the age of thirty. He's making everyone under the age of thirty look a dick as well. But the bounce back from major injuries at his age, um, yeah, he's he's been off form for a little mm. while. Foxy, he's not been the foxy that we know. He's still the foxy that I fucking love, but not the foxy that we know. I thought he was at fault for the Argentina try on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Sheedy took some of the blame on commentary. Um, it was for the absolutely beautiful and fantastically named uh, Geronimo de la Fuente's <coughs> try. It's no good covering your mouth, Dick, off. You would have been better off muting. 
<laughs> oh, do cover your mouth, the cough, but it still picks it up. Um, yeah, a, the try for the, the, the absolutely stunningly beautiful and fantastically named Geronimo de la Fuente. I, he, he comes in on the man, he bites in, and he, if he had stayed, I think he probably would have stopped him or, you know, at least had a better chance of stopping him. So, yeah, he's, he's perhaps not been the Jonathan Davis that we know. But like you said, this Argentina team is old in its own against the best team. They didn't have the best World Cup, no. I will say, but since then, they've come back around to that people. They're playing their own way a little bit again. As I said, beat the All Blacks. I know they were down to 14 men. It's a nailed-on red. People, Some people yeah, think no, it was a yellow. Yeah. It's an absolute nailed-on red. Yeah. He's got time. He lines up. He just needs to get lower. I don't know how long we've got to do this for before we go, just fucking go lower. Mm. Like, okay, it's not going to be this dominant hit. But if you go low, you're going to stay on the field and you're still going to have a, you're still stopping your man. And you've still got that chance of a turnover anyway. It was it was stupidity at, it, at this highest that we keep seeing it. But it's a very good Argentina team. It is essentially a Wales B team, mm-hmm. or one or two players. I, I'm, I'm fantastically happy with it. Gavin uh, Thomas, who people know on, on, from Twitter, will be absolutely delighted because Jonah Holmes, I thought, has been magnificent for both games. I've been saying about how I think he's more of a right winger than he is a full-back. Going to the Dragons, I thought he's looked good. And as the season wore on, he got better and better and better. And now he's pulled on a wheel shirt of 14 again. And he, he stepped up another level. Absolutely fun. And obviously, uh, I should say, my, my my good friend, Jonah Holmes, who donated £50 to the Doddy Weir Foundation to push me a little bit further along in the collection. Um I, I thought he's been absolutely fantastic those first two games and he, he keeps getting better and better and is an absolutely fucking great guy. I've been slid into his DMs like uh I wouldn't say like who. He he's been he's been great. Um and then another dragon, this is like Dragon Central. Another dragon I thought I thought Nick Tompkins when he came off the bench looked absolutely great. Yeah. It was key to the try for Wales when he came on. Add some lovely touches, covered uh, defence out wide when Tom Rogers got caught out. I thought he was he was phenomenal. He's back to the Nick Tompkins that first saw glimpses of when, when he broke through. I thought he looked absolutely whether that's having the experience of, of Jonathan Davis inside him and someone to organise a little bit better and a little bit more. But yeah, I, I thought he looked every part at a thirteen. It could also it could also be the fact that he's back with Saris, maybe. Are you saying and it's the dragons? No, but like in, in that environment, like winning mentality, being able to play the game that he's used to for years, he's done so well at Saris, maybe he's just got his confidence back a little bit. I won't I won't do any good things said about Saracens on this podcast, so we'll we'll just I'll have to edit that bit out as well. <laughs> <laughs> um Moriarty got a mention. Yeah, but Mo- he needs to get mentioned because it's Argentina and we all know he fucking hates Argentina. So he plays his best against Argentina because he got a red card against Argentina. So Moriarty is just a different beast whenever we Wales for Argentina. Really. I've literally got written down Moriarty looking absolutely fucking murderous because yeah. every time they zoomed in on Moriarty, he lo- I, something's happened to him in Argentina 
show us on the doll where Argentina hurt you, Ross, because something's happened. He's Did been he? at Buenos Aires on holidays or something. Something's happened to him. He is not a happy bunny when he plays the, the Pumas. And when he's not choking out scrum halves and staring at water boys or physios trying to smack him to get him off, he just looks like he's going to kill someone at all times. Maybe maybe Moriarty's actually Brazilian. That's probably why they just they, they hate each other, don't they, Brazil and Argentina? So that's what it probably is. Well, certain Argentinian players hate uh, Bolivians as well. But we no will, comment. We'll, we'll not talk about that. Oh, yeah. But, is that the same certain Argentinian player that fucking dived at the weekend? That certain it is. It's that no, same got, fucking Argentinian, same Argentinian player. I've got into an argument with an Argentinian on Twitter because you know me. Yeah. Uh, who claimed that it was? It's a dive. That's a fucking. That's, dive. that's a worse dive than any football I've ever seen. Worse dive than any fucking Tom Daly impersonator I've ever seen. It's worse dive I've seen than any cat, any person that took part in the fucking TV series Splash. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was worse than Sterling in the uh, the semi-finals. It was absolutely shocking. So. Definitely for me, he took that dive. There was possibly contact as he's on his way down. He's definitely on his way down before anyone touches him. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Rory from Twitter did uh, get in touch as well, saying he got a chimichurri and chimichanga mixed up and was upset when a deep fried burrito, when instead of a deep fried burrito, he was given a bowl of vinegary herbs. So that's his, uh, his theory on why Ross Moriarty wants to kill every Argentinian he ever passes. So, um, what made me fucking murderous on Saturday? Well, perhaps I've been a little bit. I'm over-egging the point in a little bit. You know me, I don't like to exaggerate. But what made me fucking No, you murderous... don't. You're your six foot seven lock. <laughs> um, referees who haven't got a fucking clue what's going on at the scrum. Mm. So just sin bin both props. Now, I know you've, you're have you a front row player yourself. Yeah. Are you in the same frame of mind as me? Do you think that it helps to sin bin both props? No, I I think it's just... I, the, com, the, the chats need to be there, and I guess the warning needs to be there. Look, there's guys on the side that have come on, sort, sort it out. You know yourself. There's a there's an unwritten law rule, I suppose, whatever you want to call it, when it comes to front row players that they go, we'll try and cheat as much as possible, but when it comes down to it, if we have to be serious, we'll be serious. And like, if you're if you're trying to niggle your pop and it's trying to niggle your pop and it's just not working, and you think you're both going to get yellow carded for the next half an hour, you'll just do nothing and you'll, you'll scrimmage properly. You'll try not to get any angles. You'll just get the ball in, get the ball out, so you can carry on. So it takes it out of the ref's mind. But the fact that he's just gone off your goal, son. Well, I, I don't think I've ever seen one where I thought, that's a good idea to see him both-time props. Because to me, it just says that ref hasn't got a fucking clue what's going on. The only, time I, the only time I've seen it in an international game was also in Cardiff, where he had, the, 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 the referee had um, warned both sides that if they carry on, they're going to get yellow-carded. They took a scrum and it was fine. They then got taken off both props. I think it was Wales one and whoever we were playing three. The next scrum was Gethin. Gethin come on as a sub. 
he then got the scrum went down and Gethin and the other player both got yellow carded straight away. Yeah. Even exactly. though they were different players, he had warned yeah. them and they got and I'm like, is this their first fucking scrum? So then you've got to bring the other props back, back on, on who caused an issue in the foot in the first place. I just to me it just screams, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. If but, it's a ref who's simbins what he's so for me as well, if I'm the weaker prop, I'm thinking, well, I've got carte blanche here because I know if I'm losing this scrum, mm-hmm. he's gonna simbin us both. So I can play bloody fuck you yeah. and do whatever I want to do because this guy's got my number. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because he's going to get penalised as well. I think it's absolutely, it's, it's just shit refereeing. You're obviously not picking up what the problem is. Because if you can pick up what the problem is as well, then you can say like, this is what you need to stop doing mm-hmm. and we'll get this done properly. If you can't pick up the problem, then you just don't look like you don't know what's going on. I think you hit the nail on the head twice there in the last couple of seconds where you said don't know what's going on because it was Matt Carley was refereeing, so that's probably right. Well, the other one that we, we see quite often is that they'll penalise one team, then exactly the same thing will happen, and because he's not really sure what's happening, they'll penalise the other team. And you go, well, that was exactly the same as the fucking last one, you know, it. So, yeah, it, it's something that it's, it winds me up because I don't think enough referees... I do think there's a, a thing for saying that referees should be put into a scrum at some point just so that they know what's happening. How you do that safely, I don't know, but that, that's what needs to be done. And, and talking about referees who are shrinking violets, um, obviously there was a little conversation that was had during the Lions game at, at the weekend as well from uh, Nigel Owens, where I believe Nigel turned round and said something like, yeah, but what happens see, if one team is being completely dominated and are massively behind, we might give them a couple of penalties on, on a trot to... like." give him some fetal position you think no 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 Nige. no we don't do that Nige. no 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 yeah i missed this we'll we'll move on to like we'll leave <laughs> wales there and we'll move on to the lions uh i know we haven't done we haven't done ireland or england uh perhaps with a circle background but we'll move on to the lions i heard that he made a comment along those lines on um Lions versus Sharks 2 mm-hmm. which i did say sounds like it should be on the sci-fi channel like i'd 100% watch that sequel that's like a film that one of our friends Anna might like. Well, it's a film that I'd watch 100%. Um, I, I do think it's unfair that they're still playing on land. It's an unfair advantage against the Sharks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you that he, he said that. I missed the actual bit where he said it. It seems, I think human nature means that you kind of perhaps do give a losing team a little bit of leeway subconsciously. Nigel seemed to suggest that he does it consciously. Yes. <laughs> He's not, he's a, it's just common knowledge that they all do yeah. that anyway. Yeah, that you know, one team's losing, so let's see if we can get them back in a game and make us entertaining. I, we've always said that games that Nigel Owen referees are more entertaining. At, at least we know why, why if that's <laughs> yeah. the case, because he's making sure that they're always close encounters. Um, yeah, that was a, a bit of a bizarre one. Um, Sorry, I was just checking, right? So, moving on to the Lions. Obviously, they've got a game tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yeah. Maybe today by the time this goes out, but yeah. as we record it, it's tomorrow night. Uh, what do you think of South Africa A? Well, um, there's a few players in there that obviously are a bit raw, that are untested and not really played that often. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. There's, there's a scrum half called Faf the Clerk playing. Um, there's a, a there's a centre I'm sure you know called Damien Dialende playing. Um, 
Yeah, it's not necessarily an A team, is it? Like, um, like Wales at the weekend, that's an A team against Argentina. South Africa, A, like, get, don't get me wrong, I get it. They didn't play Georgia in the two games. They need a warm up game. Crack on. Like, it's nothing in the in the contracts about to say you can't do it. But fuck me, that's going to be a hard game tomorrow. Yeah, I, I mean, unless the E stands for awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a strong A team. I did quite. I did say the Springboks A stars. I think that they're, they're beyond just an A. Um, it's a bloody good team. It's isn't, a great team. Isn't it's, it something it's essentially like... a test team minus one or two players who are either injured or in, in under COVID restrictions? It's something like 16 of the 23 from the World Cup final are in that squad tomorrow, isn't it? Something like yeah. that. When you've, got, um, when you've got people like, when you've got an A team second row that's Evan Estebeth and Frank Amostu, you know that's not a fucking A team, do you? I mean, it's the strongest A team that's not got Mr. T in it. I think that's the, the fairest way to say it. It's a bloody good team. And it's safe to say that when the Lions play tomorrow, Josh Adams and Lee Samit are going to have a bit of a battle on with Nkosi on one wing and obviously the uh, rather raw and uncooked uh, Colby on the other wing. Is is Josh Adams in tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. It's Josh Adams. Adam. I thought he was having a rest. No, nope, it's Josh Adams and Louis V. Samet on the wings. Anthony Watson will back. However, a very much look in what could be, I'm not saying it is, could be Lions starting back row of Navidi Kari Fartel, which I'm rather excited to see tomorrow. Well, we've been through it here. For me, Navidi Fartel Watson is my starting back row. But then that leaves Tyke Burnout. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to leave Tyke Burnout because I think he's, he's... So I wanted to put Burn in the second row. Alan Wynne-Jones heals quicker than any man. I, I don't know what planet he's from. I'm assuming he plays for Wales on residency from fucking Krypton. He's from the planet that is Bonamine. <laughs> Maybe they fucking mined him. He was in a seam three miles down. That's the only thing I can think of. Because, like, it's insane that he's back fit. But originally, I thought maybe he pushed Byrne into the second row with Toji and then pick that back three. I can't... I don't want to pick a team that doesn't have Byrne in it, is the issue I've got. But Neither do I. I also said... Uh, after the original squad was announced, that Navidi would be the man of the test series. So I've kind of got to drop him. Otherwise, my prediction, which I put no money on because I'm a fucking idiot, will fall through. It'd be very interesting to see how that back row does tomorrow against Jasper Visa and Peter Steftatoy. And then I, uh, I'm lost completely who's playing at six. Uh, Van Staden. Um, But yeah, that, that back row for for South Africa tomorrow is pretty much test starting minus C Khaleesi. So I uh, no go on, sorry. I'm so it, it'd be interesting and obviously Vermilion's injured, but yeah, looking at but looking at that looking at that tomorrow, that battle is going to be immense in the back row. And if if the Lions can get parity and they three play well, they've got to be favourites to start next Saturday. Well I would say other than um 
Josh Adams and Tyke Fearon, no one is nailed on to start. No one's going, or not even nailed on, is no one you're going, well, they're clearly well ahead of everyone else in that position. Maybe bigger, so, possibly, but that's it. I tell we. Yeah, okay, fair. Now, now that Finn Russell looks doomed, yeah, I'll give you that. But again, maybe not a hundred percent because we, despite your your hatred for him, I couldn't, I wouldn't completely rule Farrell out yet because we know that he likes him. Uh, Mpimpy's the other one, isn't he? That that's not well, in the team. Yeah. So he, he's the thing. But um, it is a good chance for people to stick their hand up and go, well, look, this is the guy who's going to be starting that first test, mm-hmm. and so. I actually came out on top in a battle between the two of us. I, I've proven my worth. I'm proven that I can get the better of him. So it's a good chance for everyone to whack their hands up. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy with South Africa picking a full strength team because, like you said, they they warm up game. Yeah, it is got called off because of uh, COVID and because of the cases they had. What I'm not happy with is Razi suggesting. Another Springboks A versus Lions game. When the Springboks A is is essentially the Springboks, how many times do they want them to play against each other? You know, like those two football teams in Jersey and they play each other like 26 times a year. (laughs) That's what he wants. Or even more than that, Wales play in fucking Australia. Like, there's only so many times I love Razzie, but there's only so many times I want to watch this game. So oh, this is the one I, I do hope the Lions play the Stormers on, on Saturday then. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully Stormers Saturday, then it's a week off, is it? There's no there's no midweek game next week. It's just a case but, of going straight into test then, isn't it? I don't think there's any any teams fit to play a midweek game as well. They've brought the teams to play. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't even think in the schedule there was I think it was I think it's I think it's the A team yeah. tomorrow, Stormers Saturday, and then it's three tests right after the Yeah, it's it's the break before the tests start. Yeah, occasionally I know when sometimes there's like a midweek after the first test sometimes, isn't there? But I know yeah. that this this tour there isn't. So yeah, it'd be okay. interesting to see because looking at squads, I think because he hasn't got um on the bench for tomorrow, he hasn't put Farrell. I wonder whether Farrell starts Saturday or even Smith starts Saturday with Farrell at twelve. Um and then obviously because Bigger starting tomorrow. Uh, maybe Ali Price will potentially start at the weekend as well because he's not in the squad tomorrow. Um, and then it'll be a mixture for the week after for the actual first test. It'll be a mixture of the both teams together, I suppose. Half and half. But like I said, these are the last two games now for people to, yeah. to whack their hands up. But there's no bigger opportunity than this one on Wednesday no. No. because you're essentially getting the better of your opposite number if you play well. Mm-hmm. Um. You've already said, Marcus. Uh, by the way, on the on the um, playing the Springboks a ninety million times, I will say the only good thing that will come out of it is we do get to watch Damien Dialende more. So we'll be more than happy if I get to see Damien for another eighty minutes as well. Then that's okay. We'll be fine. Um, I'm gonna be in fucking national shortage of tissues. <laughs> well, especially after uh, De La Fuente, because I forgot a good looking guy. De, De, um, Toronto de, de La Fuente is as well. So, something about inside centres, obviously. Marcus Smith, you've already mentioned getting a call up. Getting a call up halfway through an England game. Yeah. 
after Waitala. It does feel a bit like Gatland's trolling Eddie Jones now by calling up all the players that Eddie wouldn't call up for years to play in his Lions team. The first opportunity he gets is we've got Simmons in there, we've got Marcus Smith in there. Uh, who else has he called in that Eddie's been reluctant to call up? I know he's, no, he's playing Elliot Daly at 13, isn't he? Elliot Daly at 13. He's pretty much doing all the things. So we can categorically Eddie... confirm that when it comes to the third Lions test, and it's the test decider, you're going to have Simmons at 8, Harry Randall at 9, Marcus Smith, Marcus Smith <laughs> at 10, Daly at 13, and Paolo Dogbo on one of the wings. It's, um, I, I think we've hit that point, but it'll be interesting to see what Marcus Smith does. They say I, he's probably going to get his chance on Saturday. Mm. It seems a bit bizarre otherwise to fly about there if he's just going to all tackle bags. I think, I if we're working on Alan Wynn Jones, how long how long has he got a quarantine? Well, Marcus Smith is ten days. Marcus, what isolate? Yeah, no, because Marcus Smith flew out Sunday. And they've, they've tweeted pictures today of him in training. So he's not isolated at all. So there's a good chance then that we could see Alan Wynn playing on Saturday. If he's supposedly as potentially rumoured from sources on a plane to South Africa as we speak, then yes. Well, from from things that I know... Sources, you mean, yeah? I, I think he would be available... No, I think I know he'd be available on Saturday. Mm. So, yeah. Do you think we'll, we'll see... If, if there's no quarantine period... I when, don't see any reason. When you factor in the notion that this Wednesday Conor Murray's starting and Conor Murray's starting as captain, I would say that is a very big possibility for Anna Wynn because if he's there, he starts, he's captain next Saturday. And so this is that's this is probably why I, Murray starts tomorrow. Well, this is what I said when they announced Conor Murray as captain. They were quite clear that every time they did it, they went to a captain. To a captain. Yeah. He's to a captain. And they go, Captain Connor, to a captain, Connor Murray, actually. Yeah. As if they knew. Part of me also thinks it's Gat's complete shithousery, which is wonderful, and I'm here all day, every day for it, in the sense of he's also thought, actually, Connor Murray is my tour captain, but clearly Ali Price is clipped in better form. So if I always yeah. say nine Conor Murray tour captain, if he starts, he's captain. If he doesn't, which he possibly won't because Ali Price is on fire, um, then he's covered himself, isn't he? Well, I don't think he gives a shit about that anyway, to be honest, because I do know we'll always pick the players that he wants there. Um, Unless you're yeah. Brian O'Driscoll. I, um, I think, well, yeah, he just didn't want Brian O'Driscoll in there because... Yeah. We talked about this as well, uh, having a conversation yesterday. With this. I can't see Alan Wynn coming in and going straight into that first test because obviously it's going to upset the other players. I don't think he gives a shit. Like, no. Jamie Roberts missed a large chunk of time before being thrown back into the third test, dropping Brian O'Driscoll, picking another Welsh centre out of position. It <laughs> shows he doesn't care because obviously, once it, once again, we've had an injury to fly off and he hasn't called up James Ryan. So it's like he obviously doesn't give a shit to me. Yeah. Well, he'd say, you know, he picked Jonathan Davis out to position while Jamie Roberts was out. And then Jamie Roberts came back and he was right, okay, obviously he's going to drop Foxy and Jamie Roberts will slot into that 12 and Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And then he was more than happy to 
to throw those grenades and go, well, no, this is the team that I want to play. So I don't think he'll give a shit. Yeah. He knows that Alwyn Jones is reliable. He knows that he's a guy he trusts. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's a captain that's done it for him for a, in the past. Yeah. I think, again, on the Marcus Smith, uh, the same thing, he's not flying him out there to all tackle bags. No. If he's putting Alan Wynn out there, it's because he wants him in a jersey on that pitch. Mm-hmm. I think if he he he's starting that first test, yeah, I'm more than happy. Like if, if I'm wrong, I'll all and say I'm wrong, but I think he is starting that first test. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. And he will be playing all eighty minutes, and then he'll do it the week after, and he'll do it the week after. Well, the question is whether he will start him on Saturday. I mean, this could all be a ruse. It could all be that Alan Wynn was never actually injured and it's all just been a ploy to keep him safe, keep him out of arm's way. We don't want to put him out there with those South Africans are going to try and hurt him and take him out of a, out of a test series. We'll yeah. just You just go down and hold your shoulder. <laughs> we'll bring you off and bring you back into the test. I can't see Alan Wynn going for it for some reason. No. Um, but yeah, I think if he... I think he's... I, I think he's going to start the first test. I can't see any way that Gatland doesn't pick him. Oh, I agree. Um, final thing from me on the layer. Well, final thing on the whole thing. Uh, a lot of calls for this tour to have been played in Britain, cancelling, move it back to Britain. Always seems to have slightly xenophobic vibes to me because if you look at the stats, we're fucking riddled. Mm-hmm. There's COVID everywhere. Yeah. Well, less so in Wales, but you know, I people seem to be spouting this so well. This the COVID, the COVID numbers are high there, and death numbers are high, and so we need we should we should bring it back over play. Uh, COVID rates and deaths are higher currently in Britain at the moment. Yeah. I can only see it as a, a slightly backward view. In some cases, like I said, sort of almost xenophobic that it's because it's South Africa and this is an African country and, you know, they, they've obviously not got the facilities that we've got. And so it's, it seems like a bollocks to me. Yeah, I think it is a bollocks, like, to be honest. And, and But obviously bear in mind the fact that we live in, or should I say, I live in a country at the minute, where just at the weekend, 60-odd thousand people were allowed to go watch a football game. And I, I, I have... I'm not used to even sources. I have, I know people that went to the game on Sunday that got into the stadium that didn't have tickets and they said there was no way there were 60,000 there because that stadium was full. So you had 90,000 people there plus everyone else in and around pubs and clubs and stuff in and around um, Wembley. There was, <clears throat> I think was, there was something I read on social media that the pubs that were open on, in London on Sunday, I believe there was 4,000 pubs around like what would be classed as London and central London like yeah. outskirts. There was not one spare table in yeah. four thousand pubs. And now, is it Monday? Case, go on. Is it Monday that your Freedom Day is, and everything goes back to normal to the nineteenth? Uh, it's supposed to be nineteenth. That it goes sort of. Well, hey, it's all good. We're COVID free and shit, but that's not going to happen. So um, people who wanted to come back to Britain as well are essentially saying, "Let's bring it back to the country where the numbers are high and raging." And we're getting rid of all restrictions before the first test would take place. Yep. So people would be allowed to go and do whatever they want, wherever they want. Yep. We could cram everyone into Twickenham. We could have people flooding airports and in hotels and all around anywhere they could be yep. without masks, no yep. need for social distancing. Yeah. And we think that that's a better option than keeping it in a country where the numbers are lower and they've got 
measures in place. Correct. Okay. People so, yeah, I are idiots. Same. Yeah. COVID idiots. Yes. Um, American idiots, but that's the shit I've got on. Um, and I don't know about you. Is there anything else that you want to say on the Lions? Um, it's going all right so far. It is going all right so far. It's going very well if you're Josh Adams. Yep. Yep. He's Josh had... Adams is on fire. Duane's playing very well. I think Chris Harris is playing very well. Ali Price is. Hamish is. Um, a Scotsman in there. Can I just say this? And I really, really, really irritates me that I'm going to say it and it's really going to piss you off. But I think Courtney Laws is playing all right. Like, oh, I don't think it's ever been a doubt for me that Courtney Laws is a good player. It's just that he's a bell end. Like, that's the only issue I've got with Courtney Laws. Yeah. He's, he's a good player. Um, I, I think we need to as well establish um, Johnny E. Hill. <laughs> my, that M's here. Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Johnny Hill may need a compass or a sat nav for Christmas. So we can work out which end of a ruck he's meant to fucking approach it from because seemingly he doesn't know which way he's playing because I've seen him enter a ruck from every direction seemingly by the back feet of his own team I also think Johnny Hill probably needs to get some mates for the next couple of weeks because he's very unlikely to feature in any games after Saturday so I, I, I agree I, he, I might, he might play Saturday but I can't see him featuring afterwards. So he's going to be spending a couple of weeks in and around South Africa on a jolly, I suppose. I tell you, I think could start based on his performances so far. Um, and a teammate of his is Luke and Dickie. I thought has been absolutely yep. superb. Yeah, He's been excellent and really, uh, he's always been a good player anyway. That's quite clear whether he's playing for, for Exeter or for England. But I think he's been super. I think, Going into this, I thought Ken Owens would be my first choice hooker. Obviously, we've not seen much of Ken on this tour. They're talking about flying another hooker out before the weekend is out. But Luke Cohen dickey has been absolutely superb. What a player he's been so far. Yeah, I agree. I did have a discussion with somebody the other day where I thought Cohen dickey if features in the first lines test, would be there as a sub because I think Gats will go Ken to start with Cowan Dickey on the bench or George to start with Cowan Dickey on the bench. I can't see it being Ken to start and George on the bench vice versa. I think I think Cowan Dickey has the bigger impact off the bench than the other two. Um, so if, obviously, if, if Cowan Dickey's on the bench and you've only got space for another hooker, then it's who you go with. But um, I, th- I think he'll be like George was when he first come to start playing for England with Hartley starting, George was better for England off the bench than he was starting because of that impact. And I think Cowan Dickey would be the same. But you say about Ken Owens off the bench, I was like, Ken Owens off the bench and his innocent face got the Lions the draw in New Zealand last time. So his ability to plead innocence might be a weapon that we can use again. <laughs> yeah, we haven't got Sam to talk out remain this one, have we? <laughs> well, we've got Alan Wynn. Uh, hopefully. He- He's a professional lawyer and also intense as fuck. So yeah. I wouldn't tell him that he's wrong. If he's telling me that, that that's what happened, that's what happened. Unless you're Jake Ball. Yeah, Jake Ball. Jake Ball will argue with Alan Jones. We found that out. Um, yeah, anything else you want to bring up? Um, anything else? Um, no, I, I, I think there's also players that have 
categorically confirmed they won't be anywhere near that starting 15-23. Maybe Gareth Davis can be a mate with Johnny Hill. Maybe Mako will be a mate with Johnny Hill. Mako Vunapola against the Sharks spent most of his time, he spent more time on his stomach than he did on his feet. Yeah, Ma- Ma- Mako against the Sharks was like watching Phil Vickery 12 years ago against the Beast. Well, I, I would, considering as well, it was the second choice Sharks front row is slightly embarrassing for Mako. Yep. The fact you talked about Splash earlier, that was a, a belly flop of a dive. I can't say I, I watched the show beyond a few, but someone did belly flop. I can't remember who it was. Gemma Collins yeah. belly flopped. It was Macavunapola out against the Sharks. He, he had a bit of a dreadful time. And you're not going to like me saying this, but I thought against the Sharks, Owen Farrell had a decent game. I thought he played very well. I, yeah. thought, he um, I thought he carried up well. He defended quite well. I, I thought he had a decent game against the Sharks in a, in a different style to the way that he would usually play because obviously they look to keep the ball alive. They look for a lot of offloads. It's perhaps not the f- traditional Farrell style of play. I thought he had a very good game. Yeah, I am. <clears throat> unfortunately, I'm resigned to the fact I'm losing my bet that I made weeks ago with a good friend, <laughs> Rhiannon Garth-Jones, that he's going to be in the match day 23. Um <clears throat> Yeah, he's he's playing quite well, and he he's playing like a running ten as well. And it's yeah. honestly, it's 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 very very annoying and very frustrating to admit. Um, Owen Farrell for me is like he's probably he's probably my he's your Courtney Laws. He is my Courtney Laws, yeah, because he does so much charity work. But I fucking hate him. Um, no, yeah, it's it's annoying, but I think he's going to be there. I, whether we. Whether he starts over bigger, I don't think so, but he'll be on the bench. Well, I said to you that I thought like Owen Farrell facilitates a Farrell at 12 facilitates a 6 2 split, yeah, because it means that you can put whichever scrum off you're not starting and Elliot Daly on the bench and you've covered your old back division. Because whoever you if you start bigger at 10 and Farrell at 12, then we know Farrell covers 10 if anything happens there, we know. Elliot Daly can come in and cover 13 on the whole back line. So that's all you need then is is whoever's not starting scrum off. So whether you start with Murray and put Price on the bench or the other way around, you can, you can put your six forwards on the bench. Because we all know it's not going to be Gareth Davis. I don't think it is going to be Gareth Davis. The only way it will be is if they're going to set up to defend the way Gatland used to like to defend under Sean Edwards, whereby Gareth Davis would, would blitz out, of, out there and split 9 and 10 or 10 and 12 and try and look for that interception. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there, because obviously they've got a decent-sized back row to pick and go when it comes test time. Then they've got Damon Dialende, who's not the smallest of guys, shall we say, who can straighten up as well. So he's attractive. He's very attractive. <laughs> You're right. Um, but... I mean, you said that, not me. I didn't. I, say I, that. I, no, I said or or the most attractive. He is the most attractive. No, he is. It wasn't a question. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think Farrell at twelve facilitates the, the six-two split, which is is perhaps harsh on somebody. I am sure Aki are playing well, and we might lose one of them. Chris Harris has been superb. So, but we're at the point where this looks like one of the best Lion squads we've had in a long, long time. So someone's got to miss out. Mm. 
So, and as it stands at the moment, the one of the ones that looks like he's going to be missing out a lot is Stuart Hobb. But yeah, he's still in quarantine, isn't he, Og? That's what I read before I came on, that potentially he's still in Joburg, whereas everyone else is now in Cape Town, uh, in quarantine because he was the person that potentially had COVID or so had symptoms I, I mean, worst. I said before this tournament started in a, in a conversation that we had with Johnny McGinty, where I forgot to put Og in my starting 15. Yeah. And I said, well, it's inevitable that Og will have to follow it for some reason anyway, because that's the way Stuart Og's Lions tours go. I hope I didn't curse him because it's, it's the guy's doomed with mm. bad luck on the Lions. So, but I mean, we've got so many choices in that back three anyway. We're not going to suffer losing a player more no, than anything. Just and it's, it's him given everything that's happened and the way that he's going to miss out if he does. And when you um, look at the, how well Watson's done, Duhan's done, Liam Williams has done, Josh Adams has done, Elliot Daly as well, potentially, not that I don't want Elliot Daly at 15, but still. Um, but like there's cover there to, to look yeah. after that. So, yeah, well, let's, let's not forget that the try that uh, they scored four years ago. Was Liam Williams at fifteen, yeah. Elliot Daly at eleven, yeah. and it worked pretty well. Yeah. Unfortunately, Foxy was a major part of that fantastic try as well. And he's not going to be there, but as was Shawnee, but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, it'll be a shame for Hog more than anything. I mm. think the Lions can carry on without really losing too much. No matter which players of that back three they lost. Mm-hmm. But it's particularly heartbreaking if it's if it's only okay. given everything he's done before. Yeah, it'd be scared too, wouldn't it? But it's happened, but he wouldn't have made tests. And on that note, we'll have winners of Wankers. We'll start with Wankers first so we can finish on a high. So, uh, Wanker? there's a lot of them. Yeah. Go on it's, then. It's a different sport, but it doesn't matter. It's everyone that was fucking racist after the. Yeah. Three penalty misses for England at the Euros on, on Sunday. At the end of the day, the guys have got the fucking balls to step up. You're at home wanking into a sock in your mum's bedroom and you wouldn't have got any nowhere near that. So don't have a go at fucking guys that have done massively well to be professional footballers that have stepped up to take a penalty. Two of which were saved, by the way, from a goalkeeper that's never lost a penalty shootout. So that has to be a factor as well. But there's no need for that fucking racist shit afterwards, and just and uh, player player of the tournament, yeah, and made it into the team of the tournament, yeah. Which, by the way, I did just said a point that I predicted for the tournament started. <sighs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, I hundred percent agree with that one. Yeah. Um, is that is that your lot? That the, yeah, that was my lot because it's basically a lot of people did that. So yeah, that's it's my basically lot. yeah. Half of an Anyone this racist. Is is my fucking wanker of every week, to be honest. I, well, when you said a lot, I said you meant a lot as in like a list. No, no. And so I was getting ready to run off a list. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for uh, the training arcs for bringing in Izzy Flow. Yeah. Because fuck them. Um, I'm also going to throw in uh, Dan Leo. Yeah. As, as my wanker of the however many weeks it's been. Yeah. For what he, so you can be my wanker for last week. And then I'll have the Shining Arcs for this week. There is just one other that I just forgot about, and I went to was going to mention him earlier on, um, but we haven't talked about that game. 
I feel bad for saying it because he's done really well to get to that level. But Craig Evans, is it? Who was his first international game at the weekend for England against Canada? Not given a red card for Lewis Ledlow blatantly kneeing someone in the face. I absolutely <laughs> agree with Craig Evans. I, I don't think it's a red card at all. Who's kneed him in the face? I, it's purely that for me is the the thing of a, a rugby incident. He's trying to step over the ruck, is what he's trying to do, and he's caught the clear. I don't think it's a red. And Craig Evans is an absolutely fantastic referee as well. He is, and, but. I just think you got it wrong on some concert. I I don't. I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. I I don't think. I what I I would have been happy if he turned around just because it was England. Let's be honest. Like I've never in my bias I'm Welsh. I I I want England to lose. I I don't think it's a red. I don't think it's a red. I think he's he's come through. He's trying to get around. I get why. I don't even think it's that reckless. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's come in and full on need him, put him on the floor, blood's gushing from his head. He's coming, it's a bit of a rugby. So we've got to accept that these things are going to happen. Like, I, I'm all for protecting players with concussion. I'm all for saying, yeah, giving him the word. Like, you can't, you need to be careful when you're stepping over there and not be reckless. It, I, I don't think it's a red. Okay. I think not that long ago we'd be saying it's not even a frigging penalty. But that's, it's not a red for me. I, I, I can't I can't I can't stand by that one I can't agree with you on that one okay he's still one of my one kicks <laughs> well I can't stop you picking him no nope. but I can't agree with it uh, your winners for this week um, <clears throat> to please one of our good friends because um, we haven't mentioned the game Gavin Coombs getting a start for Ireland scoring two tries only one counting because the other one wasn't given and that was more of a try than the one that was given um, Gavin Coombs has been fantastic for Munster this year um, fully deserves his place probably as good in a Munster team as Simmons has been for Exeter yes. for me um, yes. and just definitely and, and I think will be a mainstay of that Irish team for years to come and Munster um, fully taken over that slot from Stander um, there's a yeah. lot of good youngsters Starting to come through for Munster, especially mm-hmm. in those forwards positions now, where it's sometimes a little bit difficult to find good young players. Yeah, you know, sometimes they come through a little bit later on in their career. So if Munster can handle those well, I think they could become a force again. They're already showing signs. They, they could be. They could be a, a, a position going forward. And I know our friend Patricia mentioned this the other day where. Ireland could actually be Munster plus Hugo Keenan going forward. Um, so that would obviously be fantastic for CBA. Gavin Coombs was, was fantastic. And adding to that, back, banging on the, the drum and about another Irish player for so long. Um, obviously, the injuries that he's had have hamper, hampered him, but seeing him back at the weekend, playing at 10, running the game, controlling it, it's just amazing to see him back obviously playing for Ireland again so um, yeah I was well happy to see him playing on Saturday um, fantastic that he's there Joey Carberry yeah I think Ireland has suffered from not having Carberry more than people would have thought because they were still weeding out the 97 year old Johnny Sexton mm-hmm. to cover to cover that and like even though Sexton perhaps is still the best 10 option there at the moment it's that not having the pressure I think a lot 
of what Ireland were doing were ba- was based on having Joey Carberry as the second choice 10 mm-hmm. to then step into that role. And yeah. I think he lost a lot of impetus along the way and then went, shit, no one's really thought about which third choice 10 is going to be able to step in a short notice. He's a fantastic player. I love Joey Carberry. I've, I've said this before as well. I've got a soft spot for Munster. I know I'm a rarity in liking Munster when they're not my first choice team and I'm not from there. Mm. But I quite like Munster. And so it's great to see these young players. Go. But yeah, I agree. Joey Carberry, is, I think, will be vital to Ireland going these next two years to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. They they sure. won't get they, they need a player to get them to a quarter final quarter final from to crash out of. And so I think Joey Carberry could be the guy. Um my my winners, um yeah. I could name a few Dragons players, but uh John Holmes for me I thought he's I thought sake. I thought he's had some great games, honestly. Has he paid you, has he paid you to say Joe Yeah, Holmes he's literally paid me. Yeah. yeah, he literally gave me 50 quid. Yeah, to but say his that's name. That's not the reason yeah. that he's he's my pick. Um, Jonah Holmes, and obviously for being able to fucking respawn and grow a new shoulder, Alan Wynn. Like, it's unreal levels of coming back from injury. Like, we... We've seen players come back sooner than they should. That's insane. It is, and I, I just hope... I, because he signed a new contract, I have a feeling that he's in his head going to be around until the World Cup. I just hope doing this now doesn't stop that from happening, doesn't hamper it. And I know I, the reason why he hasn't had the operation and stuff was, in, was because they said he, like if it was a younger player, they would have operated, so he's got longevity for it. But I think... Yeah. And obviously, why they haven't for him because of his age and so on. But I just hope that doesn't mean that he's going to go there, play three games, and then he's done. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I think he's going to. I think he's still going to see out that that contract that he signed with the Australians. Mm. I think he's going to be fine. But it's unbelievable to make that to, to come back in such a short period of time from a serious injury. Unbelievable. unbelievable. So that just about wraps it up. Uh, next week. We'll be building up to the first test proper. And, okay. and the week after, we may have a special pod. A pod with a difference. But all will be revealed. Oof. Oof. All will be revealed. It's not Oceans think. Apart, is it? It's not Oceans Apart. <laughs> although that could work. Um. So, all that's left is to thank you, Brian, for joining me. And to thank everyone for listening. And we'll speak again soon. Cheers, man. Ta-ra. Adios. Forza Italia. Sports Social Podcast Network.